Hello, and welcome to the Seattle Coffee Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Pat, and joining me this episode is John. How's it going, John? It's going pretty well. We're still working at home, so uh, <laughs> enjoying a cup of coffee from uh, my home set up here, but definitely missing some of the stuff we have at the office. Yeah, yeah. So uh, today we're actually going to be talking about espresso, which is one of your specialties. Um, you have like a long background in in espresso. Um, but uh, before we get into those specifics, um, have you is there anything you said you you're enjoying something from a home setup? Is there anything any particular coffee or gear that has been uh, you've been enjoying in the past couple weeks or thinking about? Yeah, well, we just did uh, the video for the new Helios 80 grinder that Eureka is putting out. So pretty excited about that. I would love to have that at home, but it would <laughs> definitely not fit in my space because sure. it's huge. But then uh, I was, I've was i been drinking some like lighter espressos recently. So I just ha I have the AKA uh, for the win FTW in my hopper right now. Cool. Uh, and that's pretty good. It's definitely a little lighter. So like a one to two ratio or one to two and a half ratio as espresso is pretty good. Yeah, I like uh, I like that one because specifically because a lot of times those espresso blends are like super true mediums that we get from a lot of roasters. And that one is a totally. little on the lighter side. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, for peeling back the curtain a little bit, we're recording a lot of these episodes like probably a ways before you hear them mm -hmm. uh so that's we've you might hear some reference to i think i mentioned this one on a recent episode with jake also but any reference to some coffees or equipment that you that that may not be as new to you as they are to us when you hear <laughs> when we're recording these peeling back um, the curtain a little bit here yeah uh but uh but but yeah for i've been i know what you mean I was in the office earlier this week uh, just to, to pick some stuff up and move some stuff around and uh, realized how much I missed having a commercial espresso machine like yeah. down the hall. Uh, we were planning some of our, our video assignments and I'm like, I, I, I am like, I understand espresso well enough to dial in kind of any machine, but I'm not good enough at it from practice to handle a lot of the like trickier home machines or not tricky to say like they're not good machines. But like if you ask me to dial in a Sylvia, which is a machine that, you know, you got to kind of temperature surf a bit and and um, and and takes practice to to use really well. I have a hard time uh, dialing stuff in for machines like that. So it's, it's really nice to have like a commercial espresso yeah. machine that, that you guys dial in with really good coffee from commercial grinders, uh, which is definitely a privilege that we get from, uh, from working where we do, but yeah. not something that's easy to translate to home. Yeah, no, it's funny you say that because before I, I guess my intro to espresso was like, before I even started in coffee, I bought like a for like 20 bucks, I bought a used Alonghi off a guy on Craigslist. Uh, <laughs> it was probably abused before it got to me because I think it lasted all of like one year. And I was using like cans of Lavazza pre-ground and like trying to make like fake mochas with like cocoa powder and brown sugar <laughs> and thinking I was like so cool. Like I think somewhere back on my Instagram that I no longer use uh there's a picture of like terrible shot glasses with terrible looking espresso in front of that DeLonghi machine. And I thought I was like the coolest 
coolest person because I had <laughs> pulled my own shots of espresso. Yeah, you know, we'll get into that a little bit, like the sort of like um, the the different kinds of machines and uh, and and where they sit and the kinds of you know the Sylvia versus the Longy versus rocket versus you know the, the how that how that stuff works but you had some uh i i noticed you had some notes on like when espresso was first invented as a way to kind of kick off this discussion of this brew method which you may have heard a little bit about espresso in an earlier episode when Allie and i were talking about brew methods in general that's why this time we just we want to really dive deep on it because it is kind of a complex subject so that's kind of what we're doing here today so what uh, what did you have? Tell me a little bit about when espresso was invented. I know the basics, but. Yeah, and I was thinking it would probably be good to talk a little bit about uh, maybe what is espresso in the first place. Yeah, so definitely. I messed up the notes on this one, but. Uh, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, basically espresso as a general definition is like finely ground coffee that has pressurized water put through it um, so that's kind of a general guide to it uh, there's machines that make stuff like espresso like you can get an attachment for an aeropress or something like that that can kind of sure. give you higher pressure but typically you're looking at something that's that's has about nine bars or nine atmospheres of pressure pushed through it um, which creates a more concentrated final product that also brews a lot faster, which coincidentally is kind of how espresso came to be in the first place, which I was doing some research and found a cool article from Smithsonian where they were talking about this. Cause I always had this image in my head of like some old timey looking Italian guy who <laughs> yeah, totally. wanted his employees to take like a way faster coffee break. And he was just sick of them. Yeah. It makes sense. So long. Yeah. So I had this funny, like old timey cartoon in my head where they're all just gesturing wildly, which is not accurate at all, but I'm, I'm <laughs> going to keep that in my head. But, uh, uh, it was actually in, uh, 1884 that a guy by the name of Angelo Moriando of Turin, Italy, uh, he was granted a patent for, uh, it says new steam machinery for the economic and instantaneous confection of coffee beverage. So <laughs> we're still kind of close there. It's like instant coffee beverage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so he created it for the there was a Turin Expo, um, and they were making like really large batches of coffee quickly. It seems like so it wasn't like they were making shots of espresso right away. Um, it wasn't till uh, Pavoni, till, uh, Pavoni and Bezzera. Those are the last names, which probably sound familiar to a lot of you coffee nerds out there. Um, they started uh, making a little bit easier to scale, but we're still talking about machines that had like an open flame under them and that's how they were yeah. regulating temperature. So it was not the easiest for people to learn. <laughs> and also probably, I mean, like people complain about getting barista wrist from tamping nowadays, 
But like imagine getting burned by a literal fire that's heating the water for you to well, brew. And if you look at some of, I mean, we'll pull, we'll do an episode sometime about like weird machines from history. But I have I've, have had the the privilege of seeing some of the like wild machines that were in like French cafes oh, and yeah. Italian cafes like up close. And you're talking machines with like. They'll have like some of them have like nine to twelve yeah. groups because they had to rotate through the groups as they're using them. Yeah. Um, for beginners, groups being like the literal spot where you're putting the portafilter in that has the coffee in it. That's like where the the the, the espresso is made. And these machines, because the way they were designed, like you're saying, with a flame underneath them that's heating the water and building the pressure, um, they would have like the pushing water through tubes, and then you'd have to wait for the group head to get back to a temperature you could mm-hmm. use again so to handle high volume the answer was like just put more tubes on it and put more groups on it yeah it's really wild how that stuff looked and, and the way that it used to be made yeah that's true but yeah and then the probably the next big invention after that was i think it was it was pavoni at that point basically just invented a way for the pressure to be released because before mm-hmm. that there was no real way for the pressure to be released. So they would just be basically splashing themselves, essentially. I'm not right. completely clear on the details, but that's another reason I heard why they had so many groups is because they had to wait for the pressure to come back to normal. So that they makes, could actually yeah. remove that, that portafilter. Totally. Yeah, and you kind of see that now with some machines. Um, I don't want to name too many brands because I don't want to give sure. people too much of an a like – Oh, well, I don't want your takeaway to be, oh, well, they said this machine can splash you, so it's bad. That's not my point here at all. But you'll see with some with some machines that don't have um, some of the valve work in them, like solenoid valves and stuff, you'll get some of that spray when even today on home mm-hmm. machines when you when you take the portafilter off sometimes, depending on what kind of basket you're using and like your tamp and the, and the, the, the uh, size of the shot and stuff. Yeah. I've definitely been a, a victim of that, especially in some of those <laughs> yeah. early days. It's like, why yeah, is, for sure. Why is this happening? Um, but then um, one other note, um, kind of in the in the history of espresso, there um, the 1961 innovation around espresso was the E61 from Thema, which was around mm-hmm. the time they started introducing actual pumps like mechanical pumps or electronic pumps into the machines so it just made it easier to produce consistent pressure made it less reliant on the barista which then helped with more of the commercialization of it and then made it easier for for export so that's when we started seeing it grow a little bit more instead of really just being in in certain spots yeah because i mean at the time like prior to that I mean, you just read the article, so you know better than I do. But but part, part, in my former research, part of that was, you know, these machines are mostly being manufactured in huge machines, mm-hmm. are mostly being manufactured in Italy and France. And um, so they're not really making their way out of Europe yeah. prior to the the innovations you're talking about, which allows for so much more compact designs and, and the ability to kind of export. So yeah. uh, it's really interesting. And the E61 is a, is a, is a design for a group head that we see today as kind of i mean it's up for debate whether it's the best um you know there are other like uh uh immersed group heads out there but um Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean it's still 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 one of the the finest ways uh finest finest pieces of espresso machine design i guess uh, yeah i would agree 
It's cool. Yeah, I love the E61 group, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, a little bit later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, that covers a little bit of, of the history of espresso. So it's pretty uh, a pretty new invention. Um, and especially if you consider it being commercialized and being readily available, even with that, it's still pretty new. Uh, so it's grown a lot in recent years as we've come to understand um, machines and, and the technological kind of advances that we've seen. But it's still overall a pretty new invention. So that's why it's it's still exciting to a lot of people just because it is still new. There's so many things that aren't really new and have, you know, the envelope's been pushed so far with other stuff, but espresso is still relatively new. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's this fascinating, and, and I mean, this kind of, we have we have some some rough stuff we want to hit on, but but it doesn't have to be in a specific order. This is an interesting um question i think that comes up a lot is like you go to a cafe and you get you get really good shots of espresso and then you take you you buy even if it's like a fancy expensive espresso machine if and and you take it home and sometimes there's disparity from what you're seeing in cafes and what you're seeing at home and i think a lot of that comes to comes with the fact that what you're saying like cafes are still in the process of innovating and developing technique around espresso and yeah. so you're dealing you're talking about like people who are professionals who are working with you know decades potentially of knowledge um that has been either they've either been in the industry for decades themselves or it has been imparted to them by people who are and have been in the dec- industry for decades so it's not as simple to translate that to a home environment as as it might be with like um putting ground coffee in a basket mm-hmm. and pushing a button on a drip brewer um so, yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing, and there's a lot wrapped up in why you might have struggled to get that cafe quality yeah. shot at home. And it doesn't hurt. It doesn't help that there's also a lot of, like, this kind of voodoo science out there where people swear that doing one specific thing yields a better product. And it's really hard to kind of cut through that without just getting in there and experiencing it yourself. But... I'd say one of the big things that I saw when working in coffee shops was people would come in and they would ask for a bag of coffee to be ground for espresso, assuming Mm, that mm -hmm. like the big grinder that we had in back that you see in like a grocery store, that was the grinder that we were using for espresso and not realizing we were grinding fresh on specific grinders and, and all that sort of stuff. So espresso isn't the most economic way to make coffee. Sure. Um, like it is a more expensive way to make coffee. So I, I tell people that a lot going in, especially if you want to do it at home. Like, I mean, the baristas who are working at a coffee shop, they're getting there an hour before the shop opens to get everything set up, tasting good and mm-hmm. all of that. And so it's not just the economics of money. I mean, you're losing time because it's- totally. It's funny that it started out as a way to make coffee faster and <laughs> yeah. now we're devoting all this time to having it in our homes and learning about it and spending all this time doing it. But yeah, there's a few reasons yeah. why the cafe experience might not be as good as home, but that doesn't mean you can't get to a cafe level at your home. Yeah. And I think for me, it's it's what sort of opened my eyes. I didn't, I had never tried brewing. Well, 
that's not true. I worked in a in a cafe for a while and was and and did barista duty sometimes. I was not super skilled at it. I was okay. I could make coffee well enough that people would pay four dollars for a latte, but it wasn't <laughs> like. But it but it was like if I looked at my work then now I would go, man, I could have been doing at least a more efficient job. Um, but prior to aside from that, I had never really gotten into making espresso at home before I joined SCG. And um, I think what's cool about home espresso making is it's true that it, it doesn't always work. The equation doesn't always work to say, I want to uh, save money. I don't want to spend $5 for a latte ever again. So I'm going to buy mm -hmm. an espresso machine and do it at home. And what you'll find is there's a reason that it's that it can be expensive to yeah. get a really good coffee at a coffee shop. But that's not to say you should not also try brewing your own at home. It's totally. just that it becomes more of a uh, – it's kind of like learning to cook, right? Like mm -hmm. it's it stops being as much of a utility thing as coffee can be for some people to just – whether you, if you're used to having drip coffee at home. And it starts to become more of a skill that you're learning. And it's it's yeah. still really fun and interesting. And it feels really rewarding when you can – you know, if you have, not right now, but when you have, if you have friends over in, yeah. in normal times um, and, and you can make everybody a latte that it's really cool. It feels, it feels great. So yeah. I, I wouldn't discourage anyone from getting into it if they're interested in, in, uh, in, in home brewing uh, for sure. Okay. So then question for you, Pat, uh, yeah. if we're saying that like there's different levels of coffee, like there's different levels of cooking, like you could take the time to spend like two, three hours on a meal, like prepping it all, really researching, buying good ingredients, all do, doing all that stuff. Or you could make like a PB and J. So in your mind, what's your PB and J coffee? I think it would probably be like, uh, <laughs> this is bad because I like uh, I like PB and J more than I like the coffee I'm about to <laughs> share. To suggest, you were but say like Red I think. Bull or something. Oh no, I like Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like energy drinks. Okay, I don't. I try to drink more coffee than energy drinks. But um, no, what I what I would say is, uh, and this isn't just like don't buy one of these machines kind of talk or anything because everybody should you know do what do what suits you best. But I think the sort of pod based revolution that occurred of oh i just put this plastic pod in in the in the machine and push the button and then yeah coffee brown water comes out that's like to me the do as little that's like the 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 instant ramen of of making coffee totally. <laughs> uh so and and i and i don't really you know sometimes i you're in a situation where you want a cup of coffee and you're somewhere that just has that kind of solution. But generally I, it's not really a, a solution that I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. Um, Cause I think even though something like drip brewing on a nice drip brewer is maybe less intensive from a learning perspective than making espresso, it's, you can still get like really, really good coffee that way. So I don't want to undersell just drip brewing. Totally. Yeah, and I was just thinking about that, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. So espresso at home, um, I, like I was saying earlier, I didn't like I had that DeLonghi machine that I used for a while, and then went to a coffee shop and 
just kind of jumped in full force. Like I was going to coffee shops, studying in coffee shops pretty frequently and had some people invite me to do like a coffee cupping and tasting with them, but really had no idea how coffee worked, how espresso worked. So I was really jumping in from the ground level when I started mm -hmm. working at a coffee shop. It just seemed better than the retail job I had at the time, which turns out it was because it led me here. Uh, yeah, right. But uh, yeah, I guess I say that to say that uh, don't be discouraged or don't be scared to jump into espresso. Um, it, there is a learning curve there, but it's really exciting to do it yourself. And even the results you get right away, like it, it, it is kind of like cooking, like when you're a kid and you learn how to cook something, that's like all you want to do. You want to cook that all the time. It's like with espresso, yes. you learn how to pull a shot and it's not amazing, but you can do it. You're doing it yourself. And I know for, for a lot of people, the first time that I ever pulled a shot on a, I remember when I worked at a cafe, we, uh, we, we had, um, Rancilio, uh, commercial machine and, uh, it was, it worked really well. I mean, it was the, the, the kind of head, the, the, the person who managed the coffee program would get it all dialed in and set up in the morning. Mm -hmm. So it made it really easy to, to use. Cause, cause basically I just had to learn the, the simplest stuff to, to get it to work. But. The first time that I worked on like a, a rocket machine with uh, like tactile controls and like the the brew lever and everything, it felt really cool. And yeah. I think that's part of it too. Is is you 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 feel like it feels so hands on to do it yourself, and that's I think that's really cool. So you mentioned that you were using a, a kind of very entry level machine. One question that I get all the time is do I have to spend like, do I, do I have to spend closer to a thousand dollars to get started with a semi-automatic espresso machine or can I buy that, you know, $200 machine and start learning that way? And I never really have a good answer. I'm curious what your answer to that question is because I never really have a great answer because to me, my honest answer is I would wait and, yeah. and, and, and get, a machine that's going to last you a little bit longer. But I also think those machines clearly have their place and I wouldn't mm -hmm. want to necessarily scare someone off buying a, a more affordable, very entry-level machine. So I'm curious what your thought is as someone who, you know, talks to customers a lot and is an espresso expert. Yeah, and that's tough because we do have people who really want to get into it and don't know if it's for them quite yet. So they don't want to spend a ton of money on a setup, which... Right. I mean, that was me. Obviously, I was like a, I think I was a college student at that time and was working like a part-time job. Um, but I'm also very frugal and come from a very frugal family. So like I, I went that Craigslist route and spent, you know, 20 bucks on a used machine that at least got me in the door to kind of understanding how things, where stuff went and all of that. But any of those machines, in my experience, they don't tend to last very long. So if I have right. somebody asking those questions, at that point, it's just a frank discussion of what are you hoping to get out of this? Like, are you, are you wanting something that's going to last forever? And, you know, this is going to be your last machine. Uh, are you 
thinking this is going to be a, a tryout thing that you're going to use for a little bit and then replace eventually, which maybe, you know, if you're looking for something that's more sustainable and you don't want to throw something out, you have to make that decision for yourself. But I think each machine has its place. You can get started on that entry level one and upgrade, but you just have to know that it's it's probably not going to last that long and it's not going to be cost effective to repair it because the labor to repair totally. it and parts totally. are going to be more expensive than the machine was within a few years. I think that's something that sometimes we see a little bit of gridlock on with like, well, I spent, it's it's a reasonable assumption to say, well, I spent this $200 on this five years ago, yeah. so it should work. And unfortunately, it's just the case where when you have a machine that's several years old and it starts to have mechanical problems, um, that it might not be cost effective to fix it. And it might be better. You might be better off uh, but looking in, in a, the direction of an upgrade. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think that in some ways that's helpful because perhaps that's a good like – if you're looking at getting a machine repaired that's older, maybe and and you uh, you clearly like espresso and have enjoyed using it, then it's a perfect example of like, well, you should probably think about getting a little more serious. Yeah, then, too. yeah, maybe so, just invest. I think one thing that sometimes people are surprised about is the fact that they they have like they have let's say their Baratza Encore at home, and it's yeah. a you know a one of the 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 one of the better coffee grinders for like slow brewed coffee. Yeah. If you want to make a pour over, there's not very many grinders that are, that are better than a Bratz Encore. Um, but then they try to use it for espresso and it just doesn't really, totally. they can't get anything out of it. Um, so I thought it would be useful to touch quickly on like why you want a dedicated or, or at least grinder that is engineered for espresso if you're brewing that. Yeah. And that's a tricky one because, I mean, when – I guess the way I think about this, the way I can kind of explain it is if you think about how much pressure is being put on a bed of coffee, that's nine bars of pressure. That's you know, not, it's whatever, nine times whatever the standard pressure is. I can't remember how much PSI that is, but it's a lot. I mean, it's more than yeah. – way more than your tires and your car – bike or whatever. And so that has to, that coffee has to restrict the flow of that enough, but also not too much. And so if you've ever, maybe it could be a good experiment to try and like, if you have like a hammer or like a mortar and pestle or something, try and like crush your beans and get it like consistent or to a, the same size. And maybe that'll help you understand it. It's actually a pretty hard thing to do and it puts a lot of stress on the internal components. So maybe that grinder could get fine enough for espresso, but if it if you did get it that fine and use it that way for a long time, it would wear out faster. And the manufacturer doesn't want you to have that poor experience. So maybe they just say, don't use this for espresso because you're going to have a bad time. And set the burrs in such a way that they're not going to adjust down that fine. Yeah. Um, and and it's kind of it's 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 very this is a very like uh, specific thing, but I have also f seen that 
the literal design of the burrs is often different. Yeah, on that's true. Espresso grinders because the way that and 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 the configuration of the burrs because when you're grinding that fine, you want different patterns to achieve consistent results and like you want to uh the coffee has to flow through the um the uh shoot and stuff and at a coarser grind it's might be easier to guide it through the grinding chamber mm-hmm. and down into the 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 shoot um so there's a lot of like specific engineering for all of that stuff yeah and I think the other very quick thing that I would mention too, the constant question is what grinder can I get that can do both? And (laughs) it's, 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 it's a, it's another very hard question to answer because I don't, I don't, I hate to disappoint people, but part of the reason there are a few grinders out there that have the range to brew coarse enough for pour over and fine enough for espresso Mm -hmm. But when you're switching them back and forth, even if it's a stepped grinder, which means that it's clicking as you're adjusting the grind so that you've got real, like, um, uh, delineated, like, settings. Yeah. You still then are you, – you can't – if you're, if your hopper is full of beans all the time, you can't change the setting on the grinder when it's just sitting. Otherwise, yeah. you can clog up the grinder. So you have to grind to change the setting. If you're single dosing, meaning that you're only putting the amount of beans that you're using in the grinder, you can change the setting, but then you're rotating back and forth through the whole range of the grinder settings mm-hmm. every time that you want to use a different thing. And you're then managing your storage solutions for your espresso beans and your coffee beans. And you hit a point where it's just not – it's really not worth your time to try to make it work. Yeah. Um, because you end up wasting a lot of coffee and you end up wasting a lot of time. Uh, and considering how affordable some of some like brew grinders are, mm-hmm. it just makes more sense to get to get yourself a brew grinder in the hundred dollar range. Use that for your occasional pour over. And then if you're brewing espresso shots frequently, focus on getting a good espresso grinder for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a hard yeah. conversation I have to have with some people. Like if somebody has a small apartment Totally. And I trying, have a small apartment, yeah. so I get it. They're trying to like limit the space on their counter and they they really want that one grinder. And, or for some people, I feel like maybe it's a, a point of pride that they yes. only have one sure. grinder that they can use for everything and they can dial it in, which like if you can do that and you're happy with the results, like more power to you. But for the average person who is not maybe so coffee obsessed like if you're in the like 90 percentile 90th percentile for coffee or whatever I, I might have gotten that wrong but if you're in the majority of people who make coffee at home getting a second grinder just for espresso and then maybe a less expensive one for brewed coffee is is the best way to go like what one of the ways i'll do this pretty frequently is We'll look at grinders that can do that and discuss the pros and cons of them because a grinder that can do everything is making some sacrifices. It's either not as good at espresso or it's great at espresso and not not as good at coarse grinding or it's just really simple all around and you only have like three settings that are good for espresso. So you have a shot that's at like 20 seconds, 25 seconds, and 30 seconds. And none of them taste how you want. And so you're just sure. like, you're, yeah, you're, 
you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot if you really if you want to pull really good shots and and have the freedom to dial in whatever you want so usually what i'll do is recommend looking at maybe a inexpensive and we're talking inexpensive relative to coffee equipment here so if you're new to coffee and you look at the price of these it might seem expensive at first but relative to the the general cost of equipment what we're talking about would be considered entry level or, or inexpensive for electric sure. burger grinder. So like getting Encore from Baratza, that's, you know, around uh, 140, $140. And then also get maybe uh, an espresso grinder in the three to $400 range, instead of trying to spend $800 or a thousand dollars on a grinder, that's going to do everything and just waste your time and coffee. Yeah. And I mean, and you can even, um, you know, the Encore is like kind of the the oft, oft recommended standard, but there's also um, solid offerings from like Solus now and from um, Capresso and mm-hmm. um, and Oxo that maybe aren't like like the perfect grinders, but but, you know, yeah, they they, the they make they do. And 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 I have found personally that things like the Scallop in my use, I, I like the grinds on it as much as the Encore It maybe isn't the same um, in terms of name and, and some of the, the other uh, benefits of having an Encore. But if you don't brew a lot of uh, slow brew coffee and you're focusing on espresso, it's very, there's, there's definitely grinders you can get in the yeah. even below $100 range um, that, that'll that that'll set you right. One thing too that you can do, we'll touch briefly on is, it, it, depending on what kind of machine you're getting, this is not applicable if you're getting a like E61 Italian espresso machine for your first espresso machine. Yeah. Um, but but a lot of um, more entry-level machines, and we're even talking about the like step up from the $200 Craigslist used $20 machine, yeah. is they'll come with baskets that have an extra wall in them yeah. that help to generate more pressure. So your brew grinder, you can brew it at, a, at one of its finer settings without taking it all the way down to its absolute breaking point mm-hmm. and 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 start learning how to pull shots of espresso you don't get the same degree of control because like you're saying you know you're not getting the ability to 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 dial it in for very specific timings mm-hmm. and very specific flavors but it's a way to kind of get started if you really want to get the machine first and you need to let, wait a little bit on the grinder it, yeah. that's one way to go yeah, and that's an often often an option. It's a tongue twister that I'll discuss with people. Is that you can get say like Breville is a pretty pop- popular one. Well, there they will include the non pressurized and pressurized or single wall and dual wall baskets with their machines. So if you don't mm. if you don't want to get a grinder right away or you're you know tight on money and you want to kind of stair step your way into coffee. You could you just get a can of Lavazza pre-ground like I did and put that in the pressurized basket because basically what those do is they create an additional layer of restriction to the flow of water. So mm-hmm. in, a, in a non-pressurized basket, like you see on a commercial machine where it has like just the bottom of the basket is just like all holes. Yep. Instead, it's like a single hole at the bottom. And so instead of the coffee restricting the flow of the water, and that's the only thing that's restricting the flow, the basket restricts the flow as well. 
So then you don't have to use as coarse of coffee or as freshly ground coffee, which is another thing that we could probably touch on is another reason why a, a grinder is important is because when you grind coffee, it starts to degrade really quickly. So the mm-hmm. gas is inside the coffee, which is a big part of espresso. Those start to escape from the coffee and the longer coffee sits after it's ground, the more it degrades. And the most visual indicator of this is the lack of crema on a shot because the crema is actually the gases from the coffee making its way into your cup, um, which we could probably go on. We could probably do a whole episode oh, on crema. Yes. But... And, and one important that I can't let go, crema is not like the head on a beer. <laughs> No. You do not want like an inch of crema on your no. espresso shots. We get a lot of people who think that Goodness. that they want their shot to be all crema because yeah. that means that the espresso is the most fresh. Crema yeah. doesn't taste good. It's no. very bitter. It's the most crema bitter part of the shot. Beautiful. Yes, yes. But, and yeah. on a really good espresso roast, ideally the the bitterness of the crema complements the flavor totally. of the full shot, but you don't want to pull a whole shot of crema. So don't try not to chase, try not to chase the crema. And if you're doubting us right now and you have coffee equipment at home or you can go to a coffee shop, get a shot of espresso and then just get like a spoon or something or a stir stick and just get a little bit of crema and try it. And it's not great. It's not great. Yeah. It's, it's like all of the bitterness and like acrid and, just like yes. acidity it's just it's rough so if you doubt us that crema does not taste good try it for yourself and if you do like it maybe you're i don't know like a masochist or whatever <laughs> <laughs> look at look at how to make your shots more bitter instead of less bitter yeah uh well i i think that just about does it unless there's anything any other burning espresso knowledge that you you Ooh. feel you need to if so that's fine one Uh, thing i did want to say is yes when i first started in coffee it was my the shop i was working for was like just into third wave coffee so they're like kind of coming out of second wave coffee which i'm sure Mm -hmm. we'll probably do a podcast on the history of coffee oh yeah but i'm sure we will the talk of of that time was all about seasoning your machine almost like it's your grandma's cast iron uh-huh. skillet which yep. like from a building a patina yeah somewhere like from in a there mental standpoint it seems like that's right you're like oh yeah you got to season the machine and then the shots will start to taste good but i quickly well, not quickly eventually learned that is not the case so basically the the best your espresso is going to taste is like that first or second shot after you back flush the machine yeah, because yeah. after that there's just coffee oils left behind on the machine and coffee and you've already extracted all the good stuff out of the coffee so all that's left is the nasty bitterness because coffee espresso extracts coffee extracts from like acidity then sweetness then bitterness so if all that's left behind is the stuff you've already extracted, it's literally just the bitter components that are left. So you're running your fresh coffee through that bitter coffee. So if all your shots are tasting disgusting, try cleaning your machine and see if that <laughs> yeah, fixes it. Totally. Seasoning is great for a cast iron, not for espresso machines. 
or from 